Hi, listener. Welcome to the More Than Me podcast with your host, Becky Harrington, sharing stories of women who decided to move outside of themselves and claim a higher purpose because together we are more. In each episode, we'll dig deep into stories of women who shed their fear and shame so that they could claim their higher purpose. Each week, you'll leave inspired, free from the shoulds that have been bringing you down and prepared to walk ahead towards your bright purpose. Experience a community that has forged a path before you and discover that you're not alone. Hi, listener. Welcome to the More Than Me podcast. I am your host, Becky Harrington, and I want you to join me each week as we discover the triumphant stories of women who decided to have more for their lives and accept their purpose. This is a podcast for women who have a deep longing in their hearts that crave community and are ready to step out in faith. So if you're here with us today, we want to say welcome to you. And I'm joined with More Than Me Collective member Hillary Kay today. Um, And we're going to be talking today about the child that lives in you. And I'm super excited um, to have this conversation because so often I think we lose our, our, the child that's living within us. And so we're going to have a really wonderful conversation about that. So Hillary, can you say hello to our hello, listeners? Hello, everybody. I am so excited to be here. More Than Me has just met the absolute, uh, absolute, absolute. <laughs> Um, and I am just so honored to be on here with you guys today. So Hillary, um, you have been a part of the more than me movement longer than I think I even knew about it. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to join more than me? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So more than me originally was Tiffany's brainchild about a story by faith. And so last summer, I got introduced to Story by Faith by um, collective member Karina Tripon, who I think you heard in the episode before me. And she introduced me to Tiffany and said, I think you guys need to meet. I think you guys would be, you know, a great fit for each other. And so Tiffany asked me to be a panelist at her, one of her Story by Faith conferences in Charlotte, North Carolina in the summer of 2018. And so that's where I first met Tiffany. um, And I absolutely fell in love with everything she was a part of, her heart. And it's just, she's just contagious. And it's like, every time you talk to her, you feel so inspired and ready to like take on the world. And I was like, wherever this chick goes, I'm going to follow her because she is like, and she'll tell you like, she is a trailblazer. That's her superpower. And let me tell you, that's exactly what she is. And I, I just knew I needed to link arms with her and just figure out any way I could be involved in helping her really put forth her mission of together. We are more. And I'm brand new to this, but Hillary and I are kind of behind the scenes. We meet at the the early dawn. Actually, I don't really know what time it is for you because you're on the other side of the country. So maybe it's not as like painfully like 6 (laughs) a.m. Often we're in our bathrobes on this Zoom call, which I I love. 
Um, and we're kind of just, we're talking about the heart and the mission and how do we reach more women and how do we, um, how do we tell this story to more people? And so it's been really fun um, to get to know Tiffany um, and Hillary and Karina and Nicole, and you guys are going to be hearing from all of them in the first four episodes of this podcast um, for a reason, because they're, this is a, a group of women who are so committed that we get up before the sun to talk about how we can reach um, more women and set more women free. So, but Hillary, you and I, we didn't know each other, but we were Insta friends for a while. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. I don't even know how I, it must've been because of Karina that I started following you. It had to have been. Karina's the center of every connection that I, I know. So I, I seriously feel the same way. Um, yeah, I think it was because Karina had like maybe tagged you in something and you were in marketing. I was in marketing and I was like, I'm going to follow this chick. <laughs> and that's how I start. Like, that's how I think we started following each other was just like through like knowing we were both in the same industry yeah. and yeah. So yeah, I actually think that's that, that you're right. It was through that. So there were a lot of hearts and there were a lot of comments and then eventually we got to meet in person at the Boise event, which was so crazy. I think it's just so weird to follow someone online. And, you know, I got to know her through her stories and through her posts, but there's nothing like meeting someone in person and getting to like actually like connect with someone's heart in that way. And mm -hmm. um, it was it was beautiful to hear Hillary's story and to see her powerful presence on stage and her powerful presence everywhere she goes. But then also you and I got to talk after the event and just share like some of the, the hard parts about life that you don't see on Instagram. And mm -hmm. that was such a treasure too. It's actually, that was more of a treasure than any of it is to see, those, to see those spaces with women. And you just don't get to do that online. It's not appropriate really. <laughs> Exactly. And I feel like as much as this, you know, like we as marketers, right, we promote like be authentic, be yourself, show, you know, you need to connect with people's hearts before you connect with their wallets, all of that jazz. But at the end of the day, like, am I on my business Instagram page going to show a picture of me crying because I'm dealing with a custody battle? No. No, like, no, please don't do that. That's yeah, a bad idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's so many reasons why not to do that. But it's like, that's what people don't see is people don't see the behind the scenes. They might see the behind the scenes of my business or they might see the behind the scenes of my life, but it's still very curated, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and that was... And that's yeah. natural. You know, there's a book that I really love that I read um, about five years ago. And I, it was such a good book for me to read because social media came on the scene and it just started to consume our lives. And I read, it's called The Speed of Trust. And the thing is that there is a speed of trust and you really are never going to be able to get to a certain level in trust with people if it's always online. That That's just the way it goes. So it was super great. And you actually, Hillary, you had some more kinds of experiences like that at Boise. So tell me about that. Yes. So it was crazy. So Boise was 
like the first time I was meeting so many people in person, I had like 15 to 20 people at that event where we all followed each other online and I had never met them in person. And I had, and it was, it was a really weird thing for me because like, I don't have a large, <laughs> you know, social yeah. following, but I had this woman come up to me within the first 10 minutes of walking in and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to meet you in person. I have connected with you so much on your Instagram stories. And it really like caught me off guard. Like number one, that yes, I kind of recognized her face, but I'm like, she knows so much about me. She knew my kids' names. Like, it was just like, she's like, I love your youngest son, Lincoln. Every time you have him on, it just brings a smile to my face. And I'm like, this is so weird. And I only knew her through her Instagram handle. I don't even think I knew her first name before that. Yeah. You know, and it's so bizarre how we feel so connected with people online, but then when we meet them in person, it's like, it's just this weird juxtaposition between like reality and your screen. It's right? like the speed of trust got too fast for where this relationship is. Well, we are always going to be talking about community on this podcast. That's just, that's something we're always going to be talking yeah. about. And Hillary's story that she's going to talk to us about today is definitely about community, um, but it's also a bigger message. So before I get into the real beautiful part of Hillary and her story, I have to talk to you because we do this every week about the nuts and bolts of, of more than me and everything you need to know if this is something that you want to get involved in. So right now, if you're listening to this, it's March of 2019, if you've been listening since the start, but you may be listening years from now and we're a huge organization or something is something has changed. So, but if you're listening with us right now, we have Dallas coming up and we want you to be there. So go on morethanme.com. If this is not March, um, click on upcoming events and you can learn about other events that are happening because we're going to be having more and more and more. Um, and if, also, you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll be notified when there's new events. But we want to see you in person because that's what this is all about. So find an event that works for you. Uh, start saving the money if you have to do that, whatever it is, but we want to see you in person. Um, the other way that you can get connected with us right now is you can join our member program. Um, this is for audacious women who want to band together with us and live out their purpose. Um, you're going to get to interact with a community of women every month and hear from expert coaches, marketeers like Hillary. Um, you get tons of other benefits, but here's the real benefit in your part. It, it's your participation. Um, this is a give and get community where we embrace and help each other. Um, we collaborate, we support, and we promote out of an abundance in our lives. This is a skin in the game group of women and we want you to join us because we are so excited to be all in for you. And so if you're listening to this, just know this, if you need a group of women who are just are all in for you, contact Hillary or I on Instagram, send us a message. We're going to message you back. We are not too important to not message you back. We can tell you more about this. 
Um, also, you can visit morethanme.com. Click on the podcast section for anything we talk about today. This is episode three, or it's going to be in the description of whatever you're listening to. So let's get into the story with Hillary. Okay, so Hillary, I want you to tell us about who you were when you were a little girl. All right. So I, whenever I'm telling my story, I always open it up with this pivotal point in my life that I don't even remember. And um, I had a pastor, a very influential pastor in my life. He, his father dedicated me. He baptized me. He was, you know, he was just like such an influential pastor in my life. And my mom and dad have told me this story, but when I was about two or three, he went up to my parents and he said, I have learned how to worship through your daughter. And to give you a little background on that is I grew up in a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, and we like to get down in yeah, worship. Like, <laughs> it's all about raising our hands, dancing, giving all we can for Jesus. And I have, that has always been my favorite part of a worship service, right? As long as I can remember. Because worship's more than just music and, you know, singing. It's so much more than that. But that's what I, that's what has always been my thing. What I love, that's where I hear God speak to me. That's where I speak to God. I always say I pray in music. I pray in music lyrics because I, that's just who I am as a person. And um, so from this moment, my parents always, they, they completely, um, in everything I did, they said, Hillary, you have a calling. You have a calling to be a worshiper. You have a calling to teach people how to worship. And for some that might be, you know, they might think, oh, that means you needed to be a worship leader or that you needed to be on stage. But as I just said, worship is so much more than singing and, you know, um, listening to music and doing all of that um, type of thing. And I never realized that, right? I never, it never really I don't know until I got older and we'll get into that, what, what that meant to me and what that calling was in my life. Um, but I was always that girl that I, I lived free with a no abandon. Um, you know, there's a, there's a song that we used to sing. I'm going to dance a little more than before. I'm going to sing a little louder than before for my Jesus. Right. And that is one of my favorite worship songs because that I feel really embodies every single time I'm in a place where I can praise my Jesus. And I want to do that. Um, and so when I was younger, that was just so much of who I was. Anytime I could be on stage at church, I was on stage. People would come from like, they would never come to a Sunday night service, but if there was a Sunday night service, with a children's program and I was in it, people would come. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, it was like a thing. And like I said, like, I don't remember any of this. This is just all stuff that people told me, but that's who I was. I was the girl 
on stage, praising my Jesus as much as I could with no care in the world. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's just who I was as a little girl. I just, I had no care in the world, but I knew that I felt, I knew I had a calling whenever I was on stage, whenever I was singing, whenever I was worshiping, that's where I felt at most home. And I didn't know that, you know, you don't know, you don't know that as a feeling as a little girl, but when you have, when that's ripped away from you, that's when you learn. <laughs> so Jesus was always talking about children. And whenever he was talking about children, he was pointing to them and he was saying, look at how they just play. And they don't even have to think about playing. They don't have to worry about playing. They don't have to analyze if they're playing right. They just play. Um, and whenever he talked about them, he would, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like these little children, right? So the kingdom of heaven is heaven coming down on earth. And what he was trying to say is that you need to find the child in you because children don't have to worry about where they're going to live. They don't have to worry about um, whether or not they were made right. They don't worry about any of these things. They don't worry about what you think about them. And mm -hmm. they just play and they just praise and they just are glorifying to Jesus, right? So I love like talking, I love the, the way that you bring your story about because who you were as a little child delighted Jesus. And it brought the kingdom of heaven closer to people. They felt his presence more real. And it's so horrible because the older we get, it's like all the world is trying to do is just rip that idea of who you were as a child away from you. He, they just want to destroy that notion. They want to tell you that that person was not the right person. And now you're an adult, so you shouldn't be like that. And so you had just a really um, wonderful example of how you were living out your purpose as a child and then a whole bunch of stuff happened and you lost that child. So tell us some about that. Sure. So as I got older, like Becky said, I just started paying attention to the world more. My eyes came off of Jesus and what he thought about me and what all of the other people thought about me. And because I was more of that exuberant, ostentatious, just like crazy person, that kind of led to me kind of being a little bit of an outcast. Um, so all through elementary school and junior high, I was teased profusely um, because I was always that girl that was in the front, you know, sat in the front of the classroom, raised their hand for everything because I wanted, you know, I, I mean, I craved I craved that. I craved being in the spotlight. And I, and like I said before, I didn't know what that meant. Right. I didn't know how to use that appropriately. And so all this time, I mean, I was the kid that got worms put in their hair. Like, I mean, it was, it was that type of like stereotypical nerd all through um, elementary school and junior high. And so I started listening to what the world said about me and little by little, it crept in and crept in and I lost a little bit more of that little girl, right? 
Then comes high school, right? And every girl's dream is to have like the perfect boyfriend, the, you know, you seek Boys. attention. Seriously, like it's Boys. Like, that's all I really remember about high school. I boys and thinking about making out with boys, really. Yes. <laughs> that was all I wanted. And it was my sophomore year of high school and I had yet to kiss anybody. And I was like, I'm a failure. Like I am, you know, and at that point I still had braces. I still had my glasses. That's the worst. It was, it was the worst. And there was a point where my braces came off. I got contacts and it was like, whoa. Hey there, girls. Notice <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. Maybe I can be something different than my brain. Maybe I cannot be that girl that's raising their hand and getting attention that way. Maybe I can seek attention from the boys around me. And that's where I really felt like it went downhill for me, to be honest. Um, I started craving the attention of men and got all of my pleasure and satisfaction and self-worth through what boys thought about me. Um, all throughout high school, I was pretty promiscuous. I um, lived a very good double life. Um, I was still in heavily involved in church, heavily involved being on stage, worshiping. And, and I meant it. It wasn't that I was, when I was doing that, I didn't mean it, but it was not my only focus anymore. I had this double focus and what God thought about me wasn't as important anymore. Did I want to please him? Yes. But did I want to please all those boys? Absolutely. So after high school, like I said, I was pretty promiscuous. I went into college. Um, I moved I moved halfway across the United States. I was born and raised in um, Central California, and I moved to Missouri for college, of all places. And um, just a weird, weird decision, right? But I thought, I can get away from my promiscuity, and just if I move to another state, right? And if I, and there was something like, about the country to me. I was like, and I can meet a cowboy and he can sweep me off my feet. And I mean, I kid you not, on my 18th birthday, I got a tattoo of a boot on my hip because I was that sure that I was gonna be just this cowgirl, wild and free, floating on a horse with my cowboy. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? <laughs> so, go to Missouri. My first semester of college, I meet my now ex-husband. Within a year, we were married. I was 19 when we got married. And I really thought, like, I just needed a man. I just needed a man. And then my life could be complete, right? All throughout this, I was still getting amazing grades in school. I was the top of my class. I was doing all of that. But because I got married... I didn't get to connect with all these, you know, amazing opportunities I had because of the gifts God had given me, right? Like in my brain to be in the spotlight, to be on stage, to be, you know, connecting with people. I'd wasted that because I sought attention in a man. So like I said, at 19, I was married. Um, the last semester of college, I was pregnant with my first son. 
Um, I was 21 um, and I uh, graduated. He was a little bun in the oven. We had just found out he was a boy when I walked across that stage um, at graduation. Um, and even then I knew this isn't my life. This is not what God had planned for me. And, but I kept on suppressing. I kept on pushing it down and down and down because no, this is, this is, this is how it has to be. Right. So I was living a complete lie really in my marriage. My marriage was crumbling. Um, I had, I had a son, I was planning my next escape route, right? How was I going to escape from this and not let it be my fault? How was I going to twist this around so it wouldn't look like a failure? Because I can't fail. Yeah. Failure's not an option. Couldn't figure out anything. But I just kept living my life. I, I um, rose up the ladder at work. I was, you know, one of the youngest employees in the ad agency I worked at. I had, you know, people a lot older than me um, that I was managing. I was in the spotlight at work. So I grabbed a hold of that because now that was, okay, this is, this is closer to what I need to be, right? And you can hear everything, everything that you're saying, right? You were so far away from your true identity that you were just grasping at all of these things mm -hmm. to try and hold on to something that was a formed identity. I can't be a failure. If I'm a failure, nope, I can't handle that. If I, I have to, I have to get all of these accolades because if I don't, I can't hold on to that. It's so it's like this shaky structure, this shaky ground that you started to walk on. I can't be a failure in my marriage. I have to get out of this. This is obviously not good for me, but it can't be my fault. It, and it's just, it's, it, you know, you kind of picture like Peter's walking on the water, but he keeps falling because he, his identity is still unformed. And you're, you had gotten so far off from your identity. And I know that things ended up getting worse. Um, and eventually you and your husband split up and there were things that happened as a result of that. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, um, you found yourself in a place where your community abandoned you. Yeah. Um, you were, you were at the bottom, you, you, you basically fell through the ocean. <laughs> you were at the bottom mm -hmm. and nobody was there to bring you back up. Um, yeah. so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So long story short, as you said, there was a lot of things. I ended up having a second child who was born with down syndrome that was not planned at all. I had two affairs during my marriage. Um, like you said, I ended up leaving my husband. Um, and I was living just a life of just anger and bitterness and I was lost. And because of all of that stuff that had happened, my name had kind of just got tarnished in the community that I was at. I lost my church community. I lost any business community I had, which for me was almost worse, right? Because that was the one part of my life that I was doing well at. Yeah. So my name was just raked through the coals. 
um, I ended up getting another job and it was, you know, I was doing well in that. But after a year and a half of being separated from my ex-husband, I had hit rock bottom. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. I can't live like this. This is not me. I, I don't even know what I'm living for. And so I decided, you know what? I just need to go back to my roots. I need to go figure out who I am. So one week, my kids were on vacation with their dad. And I went to um, back home. After the first time I had been home in like four or five years. Um, and I went home and I went to stay with my grandma. And my grandma is like the epitome of, you know, the Proverbs woman. Um, and she just has such a wisdom about her that she, I mean, I don't know. There's so many things I could say about this woman. Um, but she reminded me in that time that I was with her who I was. She said, you know what, she, she's from Southeast Missouri, so she has an accent, even though she's lived in California the majority of her life, she still has an accent. She said, darling, what happened to you? This isn't you. Then she reminded me, you are a child of God. You are the descendant of amazing people who did amazing things for the kingdom. And they did that not only through witnessing about, you know, the Lord, but they did that through their business. And my grandpa, her husband, who passed away when I was 13, and people say that we were, we are like the same person, was very much struggled with very similar things that I did. Um, he was always the center of attention, got caught up in, um, a bad marriage and alcohol and um, turned his life around and gave it to Christ. But he was an amazing entrepreneur after that. And she reminded me about the similarities that me and my grandfather had. Um, and it just kind of sparked this new life in me. And then I went and went to my home church that I hadn't been back to in years. And there was still some people there and I remember being hugged by two or the two of the two or three of the older people in the church. They said, Oh, it was so good to see you worship again. And it was in those moments where I began to remember. I began to remember that little girl that was on that front row praising Jesus with no abandon and knew exactly what she wanted for her life. And that was it for me. So Hillary, this is a wonderful example of when we give life-giving words to people. Mm -hmm. Your grandma could have had a very different conversation with you that day. She could have pushed you further into your shame. She could have pushed you further into a false identity and said things like, Look at who you've become. This is who you are. But she decided instead to give you life back. And she gave you that life back by saying, Hillary, you're still a little child. 
that child, that little girl still lives inside of you. And Jesus still delights in that little girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love that because when we have that opportunity every single day in, in our neighborhoods, in the schools that we are involved in, in the kids that we are having in and out of our homes every day, we have a choice to give life giving words to people or the kind of words that suck the life out of us and turn us away from the children that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were redis- re- you rediscovered this child in you. And after that, you went strong after I need a new community, the community that you had been a part of, of, decided to abandon you. They decided to take strength away from you instead of give it back to you. And so you went on a mission to find community. So tell us about that journey. Yeah. So when I got back from my trip, I put in notice at the agency that I was working with. And I said, I'm going to do this thing myself. (laughs) But I knew like, oh my gosh, I have zero contacts here. I have zero, you know, like my reputation is not where it needs to be here. And so I went online like any good millennial does, right? (laughs) And um, I sought out people who were doing what I wanted to do or people who I was just attracted to that I was like, their personality is contagious. That's actually how I found Karina um, was because I saw her on Instagram live with someone that used to babysit me, you know, in that town that I grew up in when I saw her and I was like, I have to connect with her. And that's how, you know, it's so beautiful how the Lord strategically uses people to, you know, help you form that community. But yeah, I went online, honestly. And I was just like, because I was, I had no option. I lived in this tiny little small town in Southeast Missouri. And I knew I was made for bigger things than Southeast Missouri. And so that's kind of how it started is I just, I put myself out there as scary as it was. And I still have trouble with that. Like, don't think that I have this all super brave and can just reach out to anybody because it took me months to reach out to Karina. And I still have people that I follow now on Instagram that I want to connect with. And I'm like, Oh, I don't have a big enough following. They're not going to respond to me, you know? And so you have that constant thing, but it's all about being active and like taking, you know, that leap into it. It's about taking a risk. Yeah. And Jesus loves risk takers. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually th- there's a couple of things that I want to leave our listeners with today. Um, one of them is if you feel like you've lost the child inside of you, it's time to go find a community that will point yes. you back to it. And that community exists. If you are looking around your town or your church or whatever community in your, you're in and you say, nobody can handle my story. Nobody can handle my shame and nobody is going to point me back to that child. Then I say, 
now's the time to be proactive. Absolutely. You can find it wherever. And, and we're here because we don't want any woman left standing alone. Um, mm-hmm. So be proactive. Be like Hillary and say, I am not going to stand for this. I am not going to stand for a community who doesn't want to point me back to the child in me. And I'm going to go find it for myself. Um, the other thing is, don't be afraid to take the risk. And, you know, I, Hillary just said something and I'm going to touch on it. But, you know, the Bible, when, when they decided to bring Jesus out of Nazareth, they said nothing good comes out of Nazareth because it's this little small podunk town. And Jesus loves making a big deal out of things that aren't a big deal. So if you feel like I don't have enough followers, I'm not important. Who would, who would care about me? Let me just tell you, you are in the right place because Jesus loves taking stories like that and turning them into a really big deal. Um, And we, we are here telling these stories because we want you to be set free. Um, if you're listening today and you're in a place where you're, you're in a cage of whatever, whatever it is, shame, if it's um, pain, um, if it's feeling abandoned or alone, we want to invite you out of that cage with us. We want you to leave that cage today and join us. So go on morethanme.com if you're not and find an event because we're going to be having them, well, Tiffany said in the last episode, all over the world. (laughs) Um, That's the vision that more than the events happen all over the world every single week. Um, You can also go on the website today. You could do this today and you can sign up for a membership. And by the end of the month, every, the last Thursday of every month, all of the members get to go on a zoom call. So you you could sign up today and by the end of the month, you could be on a Zoom call with a group of women who want to be on your side. The other thing that you can do is you can message one of us. Go to the More Than Me uh, Instagram page, send a message and somebody's going to contact you back. I can promise you that. Um, Or find Hillary and I online. Um, uh, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This is the More Than Me podcast, and we're sharing stories of women who decided to move outside of themselves and claim a higher purpose, because together we are more. Um, If you've enjoyed today's show, please go and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Again, you can find out more about this movement in more detail on morethanme.com, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.